This is Before the Light Goes Out with Catherine Williams. Ed Harcourt is a British Mercury Music Prize nominated singer-songwriter, composer and producer. He's made eight full-length albums, two instrumental albums, a best-of on EMI and also a double B-sides album. He's written for countless artists, Sophie Ellis-Bexter, Marianne Faithful, Paloma Faith, Jamie Cullum, James Bay, Lisa Marie Presley. Live, he's performed with Patti Smith, The Afghan Wigs, The Libertines, Primal Scream, Supergrass. He works from his self-built Wolf Cabin Studios, where I think he is now. Welcome, Ed Harcourt. Thank you for having me. How did you sleep last night? I slept okay. I'm not... I'm a bit of a night owl, so I've got into a bit of a habit of late where I can't... I find it really hard to get to sleep before midnight because I'm just constantly... It's When, when everyone else goes to bed, it means I can kind of do all the things that I want to do because the, most of the day is filled up with either working with other people and then it gets to dinner time and we're cooking and having dinner and then we kind of might watch a bit of, I don't know, Master Chef, the professionals or something. And then Gita will kind of start yawning around sort of 10 p.m. or falling asleep on the sofa and then um, she'll get up and go to bed and then I'll be like, right. It's my time. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll pour out another glass of red and then go up to the wolf cabin and I'll probably like work on a mix that I need to work on or just muck around or just do stuff and then end up watching the Korean zombie film <laughs> that no one else wants to watch because it's too <laughs> horrible and violent. So when everyone else is sleeping, you find that that's like your time to be the autonomous you. <laughs> Yeah, it's like my little uh, three-hour window, witching hour, kind of three-hour window. When I get to about 1 a.m., I sort of realise, oh, it's really late and I've got to get up at like 7.30. So I I average about six hours, which is probably not great. I probably should get eight hours. I don't really need it. Once I get up, if I don't have a coffee, I'm literally, don't poke the bear. It's unintelligible grunting. Uh, even, you know, even the, the other parents, we live in a village, when I walk Frank to school, they kind of know not to even look me in the eye. It's that bad. Unless they can tell if I've had a coffee, then I'll be quite chirpy, you know, I'd be like, morning. So funny. So where are you sleeping tonight? So tonight I'll be sleeping in our own bed. Where is that? That's here, at home. But I've, I've recently, because I've got an injury in my shoulder, in my rotator cuff, so I've started sleeping with a, I've got an orthopedic, you know, one of those memory foam pillows, and then I've got a pillow between my legs, which kind of helps my spine. When I do wake up in the morning, I'm kind of groaning because of this injury. I actually, today I went online and looked at reformer Pilates, which is uh, the Pilates with machines. Quite a few people have just been, you know, waxing lyrical about it. So I found somewhere nearby, so I'm going to investigate. There's only so much money you can spend on osteopaths and physiotherapists, you know, and after two months of being in discomfort, I need something else. Well, yes. I've gone off on a tangent there, sorry. That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. That's all part of this podcast. I love the tangents. So where's the strangest place you've slept? (laughs) Well, I had a really weird habit when I was about 16, 17. Whenever I was at a house party, and we were imbibing, I'd end up asleep in the airing cupboard. (laughs) I'm not joking, like a cat. If the airing cupboard was big enough, if it was a big one, I'd just kind of gently slip in there very quietly, curl up in a ball and have a great night's sleep. More than one airing cupboard or is this just one event? No, no, it's it's happened a few times. (laughs) There's many strange places I've fallen asleep, definitely. Most of them I can't, most of them I can't remember, to be honest. I fell asleep in an airport once. Did you back from Germany. Did you miss your plane? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) 
People talk about the strangeness of tour buses because that can feel quite an odd time for trying to sleep. Some people like to be on the bottom bunk so they get the feel of the wheels going around and they get that kind of hypnotic, constant, repetitive uh, sound of the or, the or the vibration of the wheels on the road. Other people are, although if you're in the middle, it's easier to get, get down. I think no one wants to be at the top. No one ever wants to be at the top. No, Middle is probably the most preferable, I, I would say. I always, I never went in the top because I was always scared of low bridges. Good point. Oh, God. <laughs> Especially in like Europe. I remember being 18 years old in this band, this punk pop band called Snug. And I remember us touring in a van, doing these really long journeys and playing to venues where no one showed up. It was so disgusting. And all the rubbish, you know, from eating garage stops was on the floor. And I think I remember falling asleep on the floor in the rubbish. It's a pretty, it's probably the lowest. I don't think you can get any lower than that, to be honest. Tramp vibes. <laughs> <laughs> but I do love a good bed, I've got to be honest. But it's got to be a, a firm mattress, you know. I've, got, I've had like back problems for quite a while now. Yeah. Do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone? That's a very good question. I think it's a bit of a catch-22 situation. I think you get an amazing night's sleep when you're on your own because you can stretch out, especially if you're you're in a kind of king size or queen size bed, just stretch out and kind of take up the whole bed like a sort of starfish, you know. (laughs) Um, But then you suddenly realize that your your fairer half is not there with you. You know, you kind of wake up in the morning and you feel a bit, you probably had a great night's sleep because they didn't steal the duvet off you. You know what I mean? Which is what happens sometimes. I kind of wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, where's the duvet? Oh. Like Geech has completely scrunched it all up, but <laughs> but I I think if you're with someone, if you're married or whatever with a partner, you know, it's kind of ultimately preferable to to wake up or just be sleeping with them. Yeah, there is a comfort in those dark nights seeing another exactly. Body. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing better. One of my favourite things as well when I'm going to sleep is when there's a storm. There was a storm last night, and when it's really windy. Yeah. Especially when you're in the country. And you can hear like the trees and the wind and the rain and when you're just like really warm in the bed and you hear the rain on the glass and that's like my favorite I, when i made the marion fateful record we slept on we lived on a houseboat on the river Seine. so we were in la frette haunted chateau and we were making this record with nick cave and warren ellison and myself rob mcveigh the guitarist uh, head one of the producers we stayed on this amazing houseboat and out of my window, I could just see the river flowing really, really fast. It's a very dangerous, strong river. I actually had an app where I just, the sound of rain, because I was having insomnia and it really, really helped. I do get insomnia sometimes as well, so. Yeah, you've got a very fast brain, haven't you? I just find it really hard to wind down. Fast, I have a fast brain in some aspects, not in others, to be honest. I don't have like a mathematical, scientific brain, unfortunately. I think there should be a new science invented for your brain. (laughs) So spoon, cuddle or space? I think space for me. You know, you can spoon anytime. All you have to do is lie down on the ground. (laughs) And uh, cuddle, you can cuddle standing up. So for me, it's all about the space. You know, nighttime is a sacred place. I can't can't get to sleep with someone smothering me. But you know, I wake up in the morning and then the smothering begins. (laughs) Oh, you're a morning (laughs) smotherer, hey? When you do get to sleep, do you sleep through? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've got a herniated um, disc in the right side of my neck from a car crash. You're so a sometimes, wreck. <laughs> so sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night with like a kind of horrible, weird tension 
migraine. But most of the time, yeah, I just sleep through. I am also a light sleeper. So if there's a noise, you know, God forbid, if there was a burglar trying to get in the house, you know, I would be like, like that. Like a, like a kind of, re- like, you know, like those zombies that run really, really fast in 28 days later, when they hear a noise, they kind of go, Hope. I was be thinking like, more, you sounded more like a bloodhound. <laughs> so I'd be like that, basically. I know, and I know where all the weapons are and they don't. Do you write and work better in the day or the night? And has that changed over time? That has completely changed over time. So basically when I was a chef down in Sussex, I was very, very lucky. And I I had, you know, this opportunity that came up that was insane. Basically my parents lived in this cottage and my grandmother lived in this very amazing, rambling old farmhouse, beautiful house. And she was there on her own and she was developing symptoms of dementia and, and, and things like that. So she had carers at the time I was, 19, 20, and I didn't really know what to do with my life, but I knew that I wanted to be a musician. I'd already been in the music industry and been spat out, you know, by a major label and kind of was licking my wounds from that, the first of many. I just said to I couldn't live with my parents at that age. It was just, I love them, but they were driving me a bit crazy. And I just kind of said, look, I'll go over and live. I'll get a job as a chef to try and get some money and I'll go and live with my nan in in the house they were like okay you know that'd be nice for her to have so there was a music room with a beautiful old hopkinson baby grand the same one as the one i have here in the wolf cabin and there was like one amp one bass guitar one guitar and a drum kit and a couple of pedals and i had a four track cassette machine and what i would do is this happened for about two years i would do the shift and sometimes it was quite a long shift you know it would finish at 1am i'd get a lift back to the house crack open a bottle of red and then just write till seven in the morning and that, I did that for like two years. So I, if I wasn't working the next day, I'd get up at like three in the wow. afternoon and then kind of, I don't know, amble around the house and, and have dinner and then start writing and then work through the night again. And, and it was those, just a really- And did those songs become a collection? Yeah, like... so the, all the songs that are on Maplewood, Here Be Monsters, From Every Sphere, those those songs were the ones that were written in that kind of time frame. But I mean, I wrote in the day as well, but I just found the night was more conducive. And then, and then now, you know, the last 15 years, I write in a day. The way that I write on my own is very scattered, but when I'm writing with other people, it's like a day job. It's 11 till six, usually. Well, I mean, that's how I work with you and how I work with other people as well. And it's so strange because I remember those early times writing. It was once it was dark and you could hear the sound of your pencil on some paper and it was almost like secretive and it was like your time to not be seen. Now, I don't have any sort of routine like that for writing. I just take those pockets and moments when I can because it gets so busy. <laughs> uh, so true. And I mean, I've always said I don't really know when it comes to writing your, one's own music. I, I I just I can never remember how I wrote the song. Mm-hmm. It's like two... otherworldly. It just comes out. No, you know, like materials materializes out of thin air and then, and then it's there. And then I, I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, what we need is those people like on the Beatles documentary and writing down your lyrics for you. And we need catalogers because I need I need a tea boy. That's what I need. <laughs> I need a, I need a, a ginger haired tea boy like the one in the Beatles, just kind of standing there, giving me sandwiches and tea, like whenever yeah. I want it. Is it on Twitter? Um, the Teetles they always post photos of the Beatles drinking tea. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's really cute. They sort of retweeted something I wrote the other day, and I was like, I've made it. The Teetles have retweeted me. That's always nice. I had a similar thing when uh, Count Binface followed me on Twitter. 
Oh my you know, god! Who used to be Lord Buckethead? Yeah. And then he <laughs> turned into Count Binface, and then he followed me on Twitter. I was like, oh, mate. But the the best one that happened recently was Ron Perlman followed me on Instagram. Wow. You know, he plays Hellboy, and he's in the film City of Lost Children, one of my favorite films. What the hell? Why is Ron Perlman? And I was like, oh, I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? What? Why does? Why is he following me? He's gonna see like weird shit and think I'm weird. And... We had a cat called Ginger who was just the absolute spit of him. Whenever I see his face, I always think of Ginger. Once he followed me, I was thought, well, maybe my next Instagram post should be that picture of him looking like that cat. That yeah, yeah. Became. I thought maybe I kind of troll him a bit. I lost the courage to do it, and then he did it himself. So I commented on it saying he did look like that cat. Bit half-baked, really. But. Maybe I'd have just put a picture of my cat next to the cat that looked like Ron Perlman, and it would That's be like seven, seven degrees to Ron Perlman. 100%. He's, he's, he's a beautiful uh, feline bear of a man. Mm. He's a kind of bear cat, isn't he, really? He is, that sort of... That's my that's my kind of porn. <laughs> <laughs> niche. <laughs> it's niche, yeah. Moving on swiftly, quiet or noise? To get to sleep, can you read a book? Do you chat? Is it music, radio or podcast? What's your preferred way of... Just quiet, just, just silence. Quiet. You know, the, the day is noisy enough as it is, so just need total quiet, I think. Gita really, Gita's the opposite. She loves like watching something and falling asleep or listening to something like an audio book. I just need absolute silence. Apart from when I was on that houseboat with the rain. My Neil, he likes listening to Radio 4 or podcasts. So I've sort of, I've attuned to that now. But sometimes he'll put something on and then it'll like, it'll roll on to the next thing all about COVID or this or that. Oh and God, I, yeah. I'll just Which hit him. will just give you anxiety basically. Yeah, I just hit him and say, switch it off. Switch it over, <laughs> yeah. I know that what would really be more preferable and better for my health would be just to read a book before I go to bed. I think that would be, that's probably the best, the most sensible way, I think. I guess it's a different way your brain moves when you're reading. You're reading to yourself, but it's like a voice in your head that you're listening to as well that doesn't exist. I, I agree, but I also think it would depend on what type of book you're reading as well. Uh, if you're reading a really hectic book that's fast paced, perhaps, uh, it's going to be difficult, I think, to get to. You need something very, read some Japanese haikus or something, you know what I mean? Or some gentle, gentle poetry about a child playing in winter snow <laughs> frolicking I... frolicking with the foxes and the rabbits in the woodland well if you could just do that for 20 minutes i guess i could fall asleep hello my name's ed one day there was a little fox frolicking in the crisp white snow something like that would that get you would i that had get to, you, I had to hold my nose from so i wouldn't laugh so that it would just be a beautiful moment he well, walked out into the woodland and there was a naked man squatting. Well, lastly, can you remember a lullaby or song that sent you to sleep or a, or a childhood book? Do you ever sing to your children? I am trying to remember. I think maybe my father might have sung once in Royal David City, the carol to yeah. me when I was really young because his mother sung it to him. Oh, that's beautiful. Or maybe it was Away in a Manger. It was one of those two when I was very young. Um, I don't remember my mother singing, but I know that when my kids were really young, I used to sing to them definitely uh, when they were like two, three years old to get them to sleep. I would sing the classic, goodness, I'm trying to remember which ones. I mean, all the stand, you know, like- Twinkle, twinkle. Uh, well, the grand old Duke of York. 
had 10,000 men. Because I also used to sing that when I had Roxy in the kind of baby born and it was four in the morning. And I remember like marching up and down the kitchen going, oh, they're going to jingle, you're <laughs> trying to kind of rock her to sleep. And she was just like, I'm not going to sleep. And I was like, please go to sleep. But we used to, I used to also make up stories, which is kind of standard. So I'd have to think of it, I'd literally make it up as I go along. It would be like, you know, the, the princess and the carrot, you know, or something. <laughs> like a, it would be a take on change Twist it a little it. bit. Ed's <laughs> twisted bedtime One, stories. Yeah, once upon a time, you know, there was a, there was a princess who ate lots of carrots. There was a carrot shortage. So she went on a, on a arduous journey to a faraway land that had a huge amount of carrots. I don't, you know, I don't know. It wasn't, that sounds terrible. It sounds rubbish, but that's probably what I did. I'm there. I can already see the publishing deal. <laughs> Children's books, man. Children's books. That's what you got. That's what you need to do next. Ed Harcourt's Twisted Tales. I'll do the audiobook if you want. That would be perfect. Hello. <laughs> I'm Ed Harcourt and I'm reading the new children's book by Catherine Williams. <laughs> this is called The Ostrich. Who had no feathers. <laughs> Once upon, too good. This is well, called the dog who had no nose. How did he smell? His raison d'être was the stench of everything that existed. <laughs> Yet he was stuck in his own hellish entity. Well, the thing that's going to happen is once this goes live, everyone's going to be asking me for your number because they do want that actual <laughs> book to go to sleep to. And they'll be like, oh, no, we don't want to listen to this podcast anymore. We just want Ed and his twisted tales. <laughs> mm, maybe we could write a song called The Tale of a Dog with No Nose. Or Twisted Tales. He never considered being the runt of the litter, but he wasn't bitter. He was laughed at by the pigeons and the crows because this was a dog who had no nose. Yeah. And running away only made him fitter. <laughs> anyway, I would just like to say thank you so much for being on my podcast and I hope you have a pleasant and lovely six hours sleep tonight. Ed Harcourt. Thank you.